Welcome to YourCast, how to podcast brought to you by Blue Microphones. I'm David Savage, founder and editor of long-running technology podcast Tech Talks. I've published over 250 shows, reaching around 10,000 listeners a month on a minimal budget. And in this show, I talk to other showrunners and producers and find out how and why they put together the content that they do. It's recorded on the Blue Yeti X, anywhere and everywhere, as you'll discover through the series. And it's edited on free software. So listen to the show, and why not go and create your own content? Today's episode of Your Cast is with Victoria Rush. She's the host of the Recruitment Marketing Podcast, and as you're about to hear, describes herself as second-generation recruitment. Now, you might ask why I've chosen this particular show for the series. Apart from anything else, Victoria went out looking for a podcast that appealed to her and didn't find anything out there, which... I kind of generally believe is one of the best reasons for starting a podcast. If you're passionate about something, you want information, share first, and then you find that people will talk to you and you begin to build and learn knowledge that way. So it's a great reason to start creating content. But also, secondly, my background is is as a recruiter. For 10 years, I was a hands-on recruiter at the Harvey Nash Group. I still work at Harvey Nash Group full-time as as, uh, a content and and marketing director, for want of a better description. But I was a hands-on recruiter. And I know firsthand that recruiters and salespeople, to be perfectly honest, don't really naturally align themselves to marketing. And now, increasingly, especially in the middle of this pandemic, marketing and creating a digital uh, presence is more important than it's ever been. So a podcast talking about how to market yourself and do it well is topical and both interesting and personally quite kind of interesting from a from a background point of view so that's why we've got victoria on the show uh as i said host of the recruitment marketing podcast go check it out but here is our interview for today's show so on today's podcast we are joined by victoria rush victoria according to linkedin you've got a number of different titles director of operations at red knight studios uh, a host of the marketing uh, sorry, the recruitment marketing podcast, rather. You're an award-winning recruitment marketeer, and you're also the producer of The Social Movement. So it's fair to say you produce a fair amount of content. <laughs> yeah, generally try to do some. Um, yeah, The Social Movement is a production by Red Knight Studios, uh, the podcast I've been doing for probably about a year now. Um, mm-hmm. And like you said, recruitment marketing, it's where I kind of cut my teeth, um, my mum owns a recruitment business so I grew up in the recruitment industry which is kind of my story really I am apparently second generation recruitment if you see that as a positive thing somebody said it to me about six months ago and I wasn't sure whether it was a compliment or an insult but um, yeah I've spent my life in the industry and then marketing advertising studied all that and now uh, I ended up kind of combining the two into the recruitment industry and that's where about six years into that, that's where kind of the podcast came from, I guess. Which but is why. why <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, look, 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 what you said there that you've been running the recruitment marketing podcast for about a year. But in that in that first instance, why a podcast? Um, I went looking for one originally. That was kind of how it started. And there wasn't there wasn't anything on recruitment marketing out there. There's lots on recruitment. There's lots on being a recruiter. But there was nothing for marketers because it's quite a tough industry to be a marketer in. It's very lonely. Um, and I'm dyslexic, so I hate reading. It really drives me nuts to sit and read a five, ten minute long blog or, or books or whatever. But to hear snippets of information from somebody 
for me is a lot easier to digest when I hear it. I hold on to the information a lot faster. So I went looking mm. for a podcast. Um, there wasn't one. And that's how I kind of went, oh, right, I should probably do one then. I can't be the only person that's Googled this in the last sort of 18 months. And uh, that's how it happened, actually. It was just one of those moments going, it doesn't exist, so I better do it. And what 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 was it that you really wanted to get across? I mean, what is the show today? Is it, you say they're snippets, but is it conversations with recruiters who are new to marketing or people working in marketing in recruitment firms? I mean, what's the, what's the angle that you've gone with and that you've tried to explore? Yeah, so that's the second one there, really. It's sharing information from marketing experts who work in recruitment in some way. So either in-house, in HR teams, employer branding, or in recruitment agencies as marketing managers, directors, people who market businesses um, for recruitment purposes, which falls along the lines of recruitment marketing or employer branding. They mean the same thing, one's in-house, one's agency. Uh, And that's really what it was. So I interview marketers or people who supply the industry mostly directly to marketers to help them do their jobs better so that would be job boards that would be um, aggregators that would be technologies so anything like that I interview people who either do the job or who can help them do the job better just to give people somewhere to go Um, marketers can be very alone in recruitment agencies especially, they'll find themselves as sort of a one-man or one-person team with two, 300 people to look after who work in different markets, who want something from you every day. It's a tough job. It's um, it's a difficult place to be. And I wanted somewhere people could go to hear ideas and also probably know that they're not, they're not going completely insane on a day-to-day basis. And it actually turned out everyone has the same kind of problems So it was very easy to help share support, information, Mm. ideas to the industry to let people know that they're not alone uh, and that there are answers out there. So it was really giving people a place to go. Now, there is a visual element to your podcast as well, right? It's not purely audio. No, I do. I record all the episodes um, and then I do intro snippets with uh, with the guests as well. Uh, and I've done a couple mm-hmm. of live streams recently too. So I'm bringing in the the video element, element the um, the live streaming element, all that kind of stuff as well. Podcasting has become this broader church. I think when it started, it was just audio. And you know, I, look, I'm 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 maybe a bit old school in that my show is audio only, but. I'm aware that obviously there's a lot of, there's, as we say, a broader church there and a lot more people who are looking at different forms of medium. Which do you find works best for you? Um, as one person doing it on my own, I think like content creation isn't just maybe do one thing one way and then post it and leave it. You can, you can video the entire thing and you've got an hour's worth of content. You can snip up into little bits and repurpose. So instead of having one podcast episode as one piece of content, you've got the podcast episode, the video of that, that you can repurpose into five or six snippets. You've got the images. So it, it depends how big your team is. You know, all that sounds great. And that's kind of the best way you could possibly do it. If there's one person or there's two people don't overcomplicate creating content. Um, but actually, I think now 
we all have the ability to video, to edit, to create social content. Instead of just having one piece of content from every episode, you can create multiple pieces and get more traction that way. Uh, and at the end of the day, everyone's trying to create more content. So don't make it hard for yourself when you've already got something you can repurpose. So look, coming into the space a, a year ago, podcasts had become this big kind of social movement at the time. Mm. What, what what assumptions had you made about how hard or easy that this was going to be? Um, do you know what? The, the truth is I didn't give myself the time to. Um, I knew that it was going to be the, one of the next big things. I was really, really aware of that. I hadn't really ever considered doing a podcast until I had this sort of eureka moment that the one I wanted didn't exist. Um, and... I booked my first guest so quickly that I didn't even consider if it would be difficult or not. So I had the director of a global recruitment group, uh, Randstad. There are other recruitment groups available. Um, and Adam said yes so quickly to being on the show. I didn't even have recording equipment. I didn't even have a proper brand. I didn't have a website that within the space of maybe three or four days, I had to come up with all of that so quickly. I just knew that it was going to happen immediately um, mm. and that there wasn't really going to be a hurdle because I didn't have time to, to think about if it would be difficult or not. I had one of the biggest agencies in, in the world booked to be my first guest uh, and I'd promised him the dream, so I had to very quickly build it. Um, and I just went online and started Googling what's the what's the best equipment, what's the fastest way to do it. Um, uh, fortunately for me, actually, when I was younger, I used to work in theatre. So I did a lot of editing. I knew how to edit a show. I knew how to edit audio. I knew what good audio should sound like. So for me, that element of production, I already understood. I wasn't concerned about having to do the, the, the post um, the post-production element of the podcast. It was more pre-production and planning. Um, so I guess all those years ago when I was 16 working in Soho Theatre, uh, it all came in handy in the end, but for totally different reasons. So look, you'd, you'd booked there um, a guest and you knew that you had to put something together. But where did you go for advice and expertise? Because it's one thing working in marketing and kind of having an idea about channels and how these things work. It's a totally different thing putting together a podcast and a, and a piece of audio content. Yeah, I think working in marketing obviously helps. You have an idea of what good looks like already. So it does it does play into your hands a little bit. But I just, sudden, I just started Googling everything I could. YouTube was probably one of the first places I went to find videos on how to do a podcast. Every, every Tom, Dick and Harry on YouTube has got a suggestion of, of what the best way to put a podcast together is. I wouldn't say any of them are particularly right or wrong, but they help you with a starting point. Um, what equipment to buy, how to plan, what to prepare. I mean, I, I must have subscribed to about 20-odd emails or, or mailing lists about how to start a podcast. Um, and probably read two or three of them and then unsubscribed very quickly. So I just, I, I just found as much information as I could in the space of two or three days, read mm -hmm. everything I could possibly find, and then made my assumptions from there of what would work for me. 
and I did the same with the equipment as well. So I now have all the proper proper mics, the Zoom recorder, everything like that. But for the first six months of the show, I had a, a lapel mics that plugged into my phone so that I could easily move around. They don't weigh anything. The audio is just as good. Uh, and it was very, very easy for me to um, to get to carry it. I mean, it's the size, so I can't show you because there's no no video. See, this is why you have video. Um, it, it's the size of the palm of your hand. <laughs> uh, and, and that was really easy for me to carry around and get to guests. There was no lugging around all this heavy equipment. But on the other side of that, I think guests quite enjoy the facade of having all the equipment and the cables and the microphones and being sat behind a microphone because it's a bit like being on a radio show. And and that plays into their hands. Having guests is a bit of an ego boost for them. They want to feel good about what they're doing. They want to feel important. So after, after five or six months, when I knew I was committed to this long-term, I went and invested in the more expensive equipment. Um, but to start with, I think it was more of a test to myself rather than buying 600 a thousand pounds worth of equipment and then not continuing long term was there was there really any point in doing that so i bought the road lapel mics which are still 150 quid uh the audio is just as good and they were a lot easier for me at the time um but again for some guests i think it was it was a downplay on the experience of being in front of what looks like a studio radio mic kind of thing um so yeah i did all of the research i just read everything i possibly could i have some friends who are sound engineers in the theater industry um a good friend of mine james i rang him and i just said look i've accidentally started a podcast what do i buy next and he was like you're the only person i know that could accidentally start a podcast how have you managed <laughs> I like, well i had the idea and three days later i got a guest and he's works for a really big company so i can't back out now <laughs> what do i do uh, and he just pointed me in the right direction of of brand names from microphones and the right kind of stuff uh, and that's pretty much where i went from there so you got you got the equipment together you had the guest you've got the idea one thing to go from that to where you are now a year later so how did you figure out the format of the show in terms of how is this going to work? Are we, are we going to do seasons? How regular is it going to be? How long is it going to be? Something that you could commit to, something that yeah. would make sense, something that, that you could repeat? Um, yeah, format of the individual shows. I think because Adam is the marketing director for the UK at Randstad, it was a big deal to be walking into that as my first episode. I obviously hadn't told him it was the first one I'd done. I offered him the next episode, not the first episode. Um, and I felt I had to be more prepared to walk into that room. So I had the entire script prepared out. I knew what I was interested in looking for in the podcast I'd searched for originally. So I broke mm-hmm. that down. What was I looking for? An understanding of who these people are, how they do their job at the moment and how they see the industry changing in the future. And I used those three sort of topics to break down five questions each. So there's about 15 questions. And that meant I could walk into the room completely prepared, knowing that no matter what happened, I had another question to keep the conversation going if I didn't have too much to say. So that was really the format to start with. And it adapted as guests changed. Uh, and the more 
I got used to it. I mean, the last episode I did in person was with uh, Rob Prince at Talent Nexus. I actually released his episode today and I went into that recording with three words written down because I don't need the script anymore. So I just knew there were three things I needed to remember to bring up with him during the conversation. But that takes a year of practice. You know, before, at the very beginning, I had two pages and 15 questions. And a year later, I've got three words just to remember those are the three things I need to hit at some stage in this conversation. Um, and I suppose that's because you've built a show that, that is interesting to you fundamentally. So you know yeah, what you're interested I know in. You don't I need to... Exactly. I, my, my persona as a marketer, my persona of marketing background, recruitment industry, that, that's my target audience. So I've always based it on if I was still in the job, what would I be interested to hear from this person? What would I want to learn from them? And, and that's really how I built the show and how I built the format of the questions. In terms of seasons, I don't know the answer to that because I'm still on season one and just doing episodes. I kind of, I didn't really want to slip into the difference between seasons. Um, all my episodes are slightly different. All my guests, they, everything lends to the same audience. So I've just stuck with doing episodes. I think I'm on episode 45 as of today um, in, in just under 12 months. So uh Yeah that's not I've never really done the epi the seasonal episode thing but in terms of length of time mm. um my main target audience again tend to commute to work you're looking at car journeys are roughly 25 minutes if you're in London your tube journey or your train journey or anything like that is probably somewhere between 20 and 40 minutes so I try to keep the episodes within that kind of time frame the amount of time you're likely to be on the train, be in the car or to be on a tube uh, before you get distracted by something else. So easily digestible content for people to be able to watch and listen to during their commute. It's work time by the time you're generally on the train, um, which means you're kind of in work mode, but you don't necessarily want to really read in your emails or something. So it's a place, it's some information you can digest whilst you're commuting that's relevant to what you're doing, but it's not painstaking to listen to generally is the hope or the idea anyway <laughs> what we all aim for um what's the goal of the podcast because that's something that i often get asked so it'd be interesting to know once you got it up and running it's like well hang on a minute where am i going with this yeah yeah okay so i i originally started the podcast because i hated public speaking uh, i don't like standing on a stage presenting i find it really awkward and really difficult so I started the show with a very personal reason, uh, very selfishly, to develop that skill. Now, I still don't like standing on a stage and presenting, but I can do it. I much prefer panel conversations, unsurprisingly, because I do podcasts. Um, mm -hmm. And that was really the main aim. Once I got the hang of that, I then it really was about an unbiased position, place for people to come to in the industry to be educated about marketing and recruitment and and that really is it and that hasn't changed in the last 12 months that goal that aim has always stayed the same and I think that's why people genuinely still listen because I'm not selling anything at any point I'm not sat here telling people that now you've listened to the podcast come and buy consulting services off me come and buy podcast services off me don't get me wrong I, I, I do all of those and I can do all of those but I don't jump up and down about it 
on episodes because I don't think I need to. And I, I also don't want people to think this is a sales tool. It's never been a sales tool for me. I've never, I never did it for that reason. Um, and the purpose has stayed the same. I've had to give myself some goals to keep the momentum. I think that's probably the competitive edge in me. That's probably the rugby playing and the sports over the years. So um, this year, as I think we talked about at, in December last year, I put an aim of releasing 100 episodes in 2020, which I am technically still on track for. I released episode 25 of the year today, um, which puts me about four episodes behind where I technically need to be, which isn't too bad. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so I had to put that kind of goal on myself because I sort of ticked all the boxes. I've ticked all the boxes now. I, I, I'm better at public speaking. I think on my feet in those kind of situations. Um, I have networked in the industry, which is what I was trying to do. And I'm educating people on recruitment, marketing. So kind of ticked everything off that I wanted to do with it. So now I've had to set myself a new goal, a personal goal of releasing lots of episodes just to keep the momentum going throughout uh, 2020. But I think 100 may have been a bit of um, a big number. <laughs> it was two a week. So uh, you need yeah. you need a you need a goal to aspire to. <laughs> oh yeah, you can hit it. Yeah. We've got, we've got a few quick questions that we do ask everyone, but before we get to those, of the content that you watch and listen to, why, why do you engage with that content personally? Um, that's really difficult because I'm a marketer. I don't look at content in a way that a lot of general consumers do. I look at it in terms of, is it better than what I would have done? Is it better than what your competitors are doing? A very analytical of uh content that i see be it you know even television ads i spent the whole of coronavirus judging how brands have reacted to um to the whole situation and judged them against who could bring out the best marketing in such a short space of time so i'm probably a little bit biased and i think most marketers are um but i respond to content that is genuinely meaningful in a, in a positive way and to, to explain that just very quickly, because I know I'm I'm pushing you for time. Everybody, no, no, no. everybody has a problem with social media. Everyone complains about it. Everyone thinks that it, it can have a real negative impact on people's lives, and it can. Um, I think we as human beings need to take control of that and say, well, what you're consuming can have a detrimental effect on your mental health if you're if it is impacting you that way if you have a problem with your your body image stop following body influencers right it, that and if you take that model and apply it to social media in that way stop following people who make you feel shit about yourselves not like get rid of you you get to a certain age and you just get rid of friends that you that were never good for you right well do it with social media at any age and do it with content that you consume in go and follow people who create good content that inspires you that you that you believe that you understand and, and spend your time interacting with that kind of content it will mm. do wonders for your mental health um and it will do wonders to inspire you to be whoever it is that you want to be and do the things you want to do so i interact with content that connects with me personally because i've gone and looked for it i've gone and looked for individuals people and companies that put that out um, and got rid of yeah. all of the kind of the, sh the shit social stuff that 
I think we all felt we should follow like your your Towies and your Made in Chelsea's and and your bodybuilders. If you've got a problem with and and you and you can admit that you have a problem with the way you look, you shouldn't. But if you do, stop following those people. That's the first yeah. thing I would say. Do um, slightly off topic, but that's the kind of content I interact with. Things that are there to help make a huge difference to people, and that's why we create the content we do at Red Knight Studios. It's business focused uh, TV content series that are about people who are going to change the world, about businesses and entrepreneurs who are going to do better, um, and and that's the kind of content that I consume. So look. Before I let you go, we do have some quick fire questions and I do mean quick fire. So I want this to be kind of off the cuff. Uh, what's your favorite podcast? House of Rugby. Okay. What subjects do you like to listen to? Um, sports and comedy. How long do you listen on average? Changed with coronavirus. It was probably 20 minutes before. Now I'll have them on all day, just listening in the background uh, as I'm going along, because otherwise I'm sat on my own and I've got no one else to talk to but the but Alexa. <laughs> Favourite place or time to listen to before coronavirus lockdown? <laughs> um, in the morning, on the way to the gym, kind of kickstart my day, or someone like Gary Vee in your ear telling you you can do better and be better, you know, kind of kickstarts um, what you're doing. Now it's probably it's whenever it's raining, um or when i feel like i haven't spoken to someone all day uh who would you have on your show if you could have anyone i would have either my boss chris lavoie or uh gary v because i'd love to hear what he'd have to say to recruitment i'd be really interested to how he'd pull the recruitment industry apart and build it back up again Right, yes, hopefully the second part. <laughs> yeah. And if you had an unlimited pot of money, what would you do? Is that in terms of podcasting or in no, terms anything. of anything? Regardless of the consequences. <laughs> Regardless of the consequences. Um I'd pay my mum back for everything um she's ever done for me because <laughs> that's, that's, that's a lot. That's no, it's a lot. Um and then I would fund businesses that are going to positively impact people who have less than i do amazing well look victoria thank you for coming on the show and sharing your podcasting story with us thanks for having me